0: I invite you to turn with me over to Psalm 88 this morning. So, we continue in a sermon series through the Psalms. We have passed the halfway point. We're on the home stretch. But, any of you who have maybe not joined in with our Psalm reading plan, please don't let that stop you. Jump in. You can find um, bookmarks on the table in the foyer. Look like this has a reading plan here and you can just read along two psalms a day, Monday through Friday with the weekend to catch up. And this is a challenging psalm for us. If you've been reading the plan and you read over Psalm 88 this week, you may have thought to yourself, what in the world is Psalm 88 doing in here? And we're going to talk about that today. Psalm 88. We'll read all 18 verses together. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayers come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My my eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do the spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. You may be seated. And as you are seated, we do have Kingdom Kids today, so any of our kids who are going to be participating, those who are four years old through second grade can head to the foyer in the back with our Kingdom Kids workers, and they're going to head next door to our education building where they will have a chance to learn and worship at their level, and they can be picked up from the education building downstairs after the service today. Uh, One brief announcement before we pray and take a look at Psalm 88, Um, I had Lily make up some uh, magnets for us. Lily is serving as our youth ministry assistant, and as you know, right now we are without a youth minister. And our previous youth minister, Josh, also was our music minister, so we've been without a music minister And uh, thankfully, we've got some really talented and gifted people, as you saw this morning, that God has blessed us with to help lead us in worship. So, we have a lot of really wonderful volunteers in our youth ministry, and that has been going really well. But we still need a point person, someone God is going to raise up and call out to take on ministry leadership in our youth and ministry leadership in our music, uh, our worship ministry. And so I asked her just to make up these little magnets as a reminder to us to pray for who God would have leading in those very important ministries in our church. And so I want to encourage you to take one of these. They're on the table in the foyer. And as you go, just grab one, put it on your fridge. And every day you walk by it, perhaps you'll look at the verse and read and pray. The verse is Luke 10, 2. It's the words of Jesus. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But then he tells us to ask, to pray, to ask, and that's what we want to do. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so Jesus invites us to ask for workers to take on the work of doing ministry. And, of course, ministry is for every single one of us. And everyone who calls this church family their home, we want to see you get plugged into ministry. Some God calls out to lead ministries and to lead those volunteers in those ministries. And that's what we want to be praying for specifically. So please grab one of these, stick it on your fridge. And I had a minister friend tell me that what they would do as a staff is that they would pray every day at 1020 because it's Luke 10.2. Or you could do, I guess you could do Luke, you know, 10 o'clock, 10.02, whatever you want to do. But they did 1020 every day at 1020. They would pray for more workers In the field. So that is the announcement. Grab one of those on your way out and please be in prayer for that. Now, before we jump into Psalm 88, let's pray together. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we come to you this morning and I confess, along with others here this morning, perhaps that this is a challenging psalm to us. It's hard to know what to make of it or what to do with it when we just first read it briefly or glance over it i got to come to understand and believe you have something really important to say to us through this lament this psalm of heartache you've put it in the scriptures for a reason we believe that behind the human authors you are the you are the divine author the behind the pen of men who have written the scriptures You are the inspiration, your Holy Spirit guiding them, even here in Psalm 88, to express to us who you are and who we are, and the life you want us to have with you, and the challenges that we find in seeking to live that life. So for all this, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit will work in our lives here in these few moments we have together. Help us to understand what you have to say to us through your word, that we might leave this place more in love with you than when we came, and ready to obey you each and every day. This we ask in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, I've heard this phrase before, and I don't often, I've never corrected anyone who's said it, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I think about the phrase, because it's found here in Psalm 88. I've heard people say, maybe you've said it, maybe you've heard people say it. Never question God. You ever heard that phrase before? Raise your hand. You ever heard that phrase before? Maybe you've even said that phrase before. Never question God. I want to question that question and ask, is that true? The psalmist is in a tough spot. One of the things that often happens in the psalms is that it's written in some historical setting, but it doesn't give specifics to the setting because the idea here is that these are prayers, these are poems, songs even, uh, put to music to be sung, and they are meant to be general, that we can all apply it to our lives, no matter the circumstances of the person who wrote it. So we don't really know the specific circumstances of the person who wrote Psalm 88, but we get some ideas within this psalm of what's going on And their life. First of all, they feel overwhelmed with life. I won't ask you to raise your hand again, but I bet I bet we'd have a lot of hands in the air if I said, Are you overwhelmed with life right now? Or have you been overwhelmed with life in the last 12 months, 24 months? Most of our hands would go up, wouldn't it? Because life has been for us a little overwhelming at times. And so we can relate right away. Verse 3. In verse 7, the psalmist says, I am overwhelmed. Verse 3, I am overwhelmed with what? Troubles. He says, what's worse is the psalmist, at least it feels like to him, this feeling of being overwhelmed with troubles has been going on a very long time. This is not a passing Monday blues kind of situation, you know. Had a bad hair day kind of deal. I don't have those. Thank you, Lord. But some of you may. Bad hair days. Nobody. Are you all awake today? Okay, all right. Just want to make you tracking with me. All right, okay. Let's go. What he says here is, I'm overwhelmed, and it feels like I've been overwhelmed since I was a youth. Verse 15. So this is not just a fleeting situation. This is something he's been dealing with. What is he overwhelmed with? That he's been suffering from since youth. We read that it seems he has lost his strength physically. He's he's Staring death in the face, we see that in verse 3, I'm overwhelmed with troubles, my life draws near to death. He says, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit, I am like one without strength. And somewhere in the midst of this overwhelmed life that he's going through, he recognizes that the people that were closest to him had begun to distance from him. Perhaps because he is so overwhelmed and life is so challenging, other people don't even want to be around him anymore. Look at verse 8. He writes, you have taken from me my closest friends and made me repulsive to them. In the beginning of verse 18, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. So not only is he facing death, not only is he losing strength, not only that, but he is lonely. So it's not hard to understand why he would feel forgotten and rejected. Verse 5. I'm set apart with the dead like the slain who live in the grave whom you remember no more. Who are cut off from your care. He's saying I feel forgotten. Verse 14 he says. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? He feels rejected, forgotten, and rejected. So what does he say about his life? He describes his life like this, is darkness. My life feels like darkness. He says it's like in verse 6, as we read a second ago, it feels like I've been, I've been Lower down in the darkest of pits. And so it ends on a not so cheery note as he is characteristic of the rest of the psalm. He says, Darkness is my only, or darkness is my closest friend. That word dark, that describes perfectly this. Troubling psalm. In fact, if you were to read this in the Hebrew, I came to find out darkness is actually the last word of the psalm. My closest friend is darkness. There's no happy conclusion. It's not the only psalm of lament. It's what this is called. But they often end with a hopeful outlook in fact even throughout the psalm there's not even a note of praise of god this is a psalm characterized by darkness the good news is of course if you've been reading psalms with us you know this is not characteristic of the psalms this is not you don't find these kinds of psalms on every page In fact, the only psalm that really comes close to this psalm is Psalm 39. So what this means, what this tells me, knowing that there's really only two psalms kind of like Psalm 88, no cheery ending, no praise of God in the middle, just a dark psalm. First, it tells me it's rare, but second, it tells me it's possible. First, it tells me it's a rare thing to relate to God like this. On a regular basis. This shouldn't be characteristic of the life of a believer 24 7, all day long, always, and forever. But it is possible to sink into these depths, to go this low, to feel this darkness. While it is rare, could be or should be, it is possible. Now, it's Rare because the psalmist is questioning God, right? We pick up in verse 10, he is questioning God. He says, and it's and it's not just a general questions, God, what about this? Or God, have you thought about that? He's sarcastically questioning God. He says, do you show your wonders to the dead? Do the spirits rise up and praise you, verse 10? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? So on and so forth he goes. What is he saying? saying, God, you know me, I want to praise you, but you've made my life miserable, so how can I? If you kill me off, can I praise you in the grave? It's that kind of response to the situation that the psalmist offers God. That's not the content of our prayers most of the time, nor should it be. Most of the time we should say with Isaiah, look, I don't understand what's going on. In my life or in this world, I can't figure it out, but God, you know. Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. These are the words of God from the prophet Isaiah. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts, my ways, higher than yours. That should kind of be the default position of the Christian. So this is a rare thing the psalmist is expressing in Psalm 88. But it's possible to approach God with our most bitter questions about the circumstances of life we find ourselves in. We don't just see it in Psalm 88. We see it in other places in the scripture. Job would say to God after losing almost everything. He says, if I've sinned, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do. Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Not exactly a memory verse you're going to tape on your mirror, is it? Not exactly. We're not taping Job 7.20 on our mirror. Nor would we put up there Habakkuk 1.2, where the prophet says, How long, Lord? Must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you, violence. But you do not save. In fact, we see throughout the Psalms this willingness to ask God our most bitter questions. Psalm 10.1 says, why, Lord? Listen to these whys and these how longs. Listen for the whys and the how long. Psalm 10.1, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 13.1, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm forty four twenty three 23 says, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. So when I read the Bible, I have to say the statement, Never question God. doesn't line up with what I read in Scripture. Now, this happens sometimes. Things we've been told, things that have been handed down to us, phrases or words, uh, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible, y'all. I mean, it helps get the kids in the bath, but it's not in the Bible, right? We we get handed some things that aren't actually biblical. And this idea of never question God is not a biblical statement. You're not going to find it in Scripture. You're going to find things like this. Certainly, you're going to find some things about trusting God. You're going to find some things about, you know, you don't get the big picture like we saw in Isaiah. We're going to see a lot of scripture like that, too. We got to take it as a whole. We don't just isolate one passage and make it the whole. Right. Psalm 88 isn't characteristic of all of the Psalms. So my point is not this is a regular occurrence in the life of a believer to question God. It's the opposite of that. I'm saying it should be a rare thing, but it is possible. How do we do it? What's the right way to handle ourselves? I picked Psalm 88 because I believe while we may not be in the shoes of the psalmist here, may not be our strength in our life and our closest friends and neighbors, may not be all of that kind of loss, most of us at some point are going to be in that darkest and lowest of pits. And we're going to feel the things that the psalmist felt. True or untrue, accurate or inaccurate, we're going to feel like, God, it seems like you don't hear me. You're not, you're not for me. You're not helping me. I'm asking. And I want us to do that well. Because here's what Satan wants. Satan wants to get you so discouraged in those darkest of pits that you just avoid God altogether. And that's not what you're going to find in Job, in Habakkuk, or in the Psalms. What you're going to find again and again is people in their darkest and lowest moments, they're moving towards God. Satan wants to keep you away from God. Satan wants to put distance between you and God. And I just want to say to you, in those darkest and lowest of moments, when it feels like darkness is your close friend, not God, To do what we see in scripture and move towards God. Remember, this is a prayer. Remember in Job, he is talking to God. In Habakkuk, it's a conversation with God. In those lowest and darkest of pits, one of the things that can happen is is we believe this idea, I can't, express my heartache to God in this way. I can't express my frustration to Him. I can't ask God the most bitter questions of my heart. I can't do it. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. You can and you should do it. God wants you to come to Him with those questions. He wants you to come to Him with those questions, even as you do so carefully. Okay, I've got a little illustration here. And it may go south. So I'm, I kept thinking, I don't know if I should do this. But I'm, we'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. Let's just see how it goes. Right. So life sometimes can be like a can of soda, right? The overwhelmed feeling the psalmist is feeling, the dark pit that he's in, all that stuff he's going through, it's like his life is being shaken up, right? You can just feel that being shaken up. We felt that the last couple years. We've, we've had that, those dark pit moments. And we feel shaken up. And the question is, what do we do with those feelings? And the worst thing you could do is just open it right up. But also, if there's enough pressure in this can, it'll explode. So when life feels shaken up with God, overwhelmed and in a dark pit, what do we do? We let it out nice and easy, slowly even. You see where this is going? You see why this may be a big mistake on my part? But I'm going to give it a try. Nice and easy and slowly. Get away from my nice Bible over here. Just over the nice carpet. You know, you do one of these, right? That's what you do, right? You just got to be real careful. You got to tap it nice and slow. And then if you're going to, oh, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That was a bad idea. Yeah, that that's a bad idea. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Is that if we believe this lie that we can't bring God our bitterest of questions it can end up like a can that is just so filled up with that gas it's just going to explode. We let it out carefully and slowly, but we let that out before the Lord in prayer. Now, there's a psalm that I didn't read yet. A psalm that is along these lines and if you didn't know this and 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 i bet you did because y'all are so smart uh, but the psalms is the number one quoted bible uh, book of the old testament bible quoted in the new testament there's no other book in the old testament quoted more than the psalms and jesus quotes from one of these psalms that is one of those psalms of lament now this is actually a psalm that ends much better On a hopeful note than Psalm 88, but it begins with the same tone of Psalm 88. In Matthew 27 46, Jesus is hanging on the cross. There could not be a darker moment, not just for him, but for human history, that the Son of God is hanging on a cross. While he's exalted up on a cross, this is his darkest pit. And as he is there dying, he quotes Psalm 22:1. And in Psalm 22:1, he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish?" Jesus, the perfect son of God, you see himself was willing to ask God the Father his most bitter questions. What Satan would want is for you to keep that bottled up or canned up, as it were. But what God wants is for you to bring those most bitter questions to him because he's a big God and he can handle it. We serve a big God who can handle our most bitter questions. And you may have some here this morning. You may have some why God questions. You may have some for how long God questions. You may have some where are you God type of questions. If not, just file all this away. Because one day you may find yourself in that deep, dark pit. And I hope you will remember that the very worst thing you can do is keep it all bottled up. And the very best thing you can do is let it out slowly and carefully in prayer before the Lord. That he wants to hear from you. And this is what Jesus does throughout the end of his life. As he's approaching the cross, he is praying to God as he feels the anguish. Even the thought of experiencing the death that he would die. And here you have him quoting Psalm 22 1. This is one of the great comforts of our Christian faith that we are not alone in our suffering, but the very God that we serve knows what it's like. Because, see, Jesus is God. We call him the Son of God, rightfully so, but he is God in the flesh. Therefore, our God knows what it's like to be on the other end of some very challenging and bitter questions offered up to God the Father in prayer. He knows. We are in good company to do that. The question is will we? Not too terribly long ago, I kind of had a breakthrough. With this very thing, which is probably kind of why I feel drawn to this Psalm 88, because everything I'm sharing with you is something I had to battle with, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, or something like that. Because I had always kind of had that same impression. I I can't let out those bitter feelings and thoughts that I might have towards God. But something in me just had enough, and it came out. And when it did, that slow release, carefully prayed in the presence of God, not posted on Facebook, not shouted at other people, but just prayed to God. He heard. He heard me. And he heard the psalmist. Three times we see the psalmist says, I keep praying to God. I'm not going to give up on talking to God about these difficult things These difficult situations he's placed me in. So I just encourage you. As we get to the end and we have a chance to respond to the Lord. That you would express to him. Some of those bitter questions that maybe you have. Maybe you don't. But guess what? Someone here does. You could pray for them. But what Satan wants is for us to keep our mouth shut, to allow distance to grow between us and God. But God invites us, our big, great God invites us to bring our big, bitter questions to him. He hears our prayers. So let's talk to him. Father God, we come to you, and this is just such a challenging psalm to us, and it's hard to know what to do with it. They bring up for some here this this morning some really bitter questions they have. That perhaps they've longed to ask you, but they have not felt that they had the permission to do it. But we can do it. God, I just, I stand in awe that you are a God who wants to hear our our most challenging and difficult questions we have of you. You want to hear from us. you're a God who welcomes our cries for help, our questions, our frustrations, our anger, even pointing toward you. God, you want to hear that. You want us to come to you. That's the kind of God that you are. And so, Father, I pray for our hearts this morning, for those who, who may be like a a can of soda just shaken up right now, but they have not released all that's within them to you in prayer. Perhaps fear that they couldn't do that, that that fear might be wiped away and they could just express themselves to you. And God, they might feel your arms of comfort saying, I know what it's like to be overwhelmed with life, to be shaken up. That Jesus, our Savior, knows what it's like. And God, that your arms around us will give us the comfort we need to face today and the next day and the next. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's so good to praise God and sing of his great things that he has done. It's good to remember that. It's also good to just pour your heart out to God when those great things feel so distant and cold. And you might say, with the psalmist, darkness seems to be my closest friend. It's good to pray that too. They don't make a lot of praise songs like that, but you can pray it. And so, before you leave here this morning, I just encourage you even a short, brief prayer to God, express even the bitterest of feelings in your heart. He invites you to do it. And even from there, we can praise Him. And that's what we'll do.